coming up on the Brent Allen Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of West Hollywood, welcome to the West Hollywood Mall, where everyone is equal besides conservatives. I bring you Santa Claus. Oh, 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 now who's first? Me! What? I want to go first. This is transphobic. Hmm, how about you? Now come up on my lap. Don't be scared. Oh, oh, oh. Now what is your name, little boy? Billy. Now, Billy, what would you like for Christmas? Crack. Now, Billy, what makes you want this? I'm a crack baby and my parents drive around the country to find crack and set up GoFundMe's. Giggity bobbity boo. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, Billy, you have yourself a deal. I'll get you a pound of crack for Christmas for $180 and your white privilege discount brings it to $180. Oh, oh, oh. What? That's not true. Whites are privileged in this country. That's it. I'm putting it in the Christmas time racism. Move! Excuse me? That's my kid you pushed. Does it look like I care? I'm gender neutral! Now move, please! Oh, oh, oh. Now what do we have here? Shut up, you fat ass bigot! Hey, I'm a fat pride advocate. Does it look like I care? I had my penis changed to a transgina. Anyway, you! Me? Yes, you, you bigot! What did I ever do? I'm just a mall Santa here for the ten fifty an hour revenue and getting jock itch from these sweaty Santa pants. You're promoting hate. You don't think I didn't see you before you came here? That's right. I drove by your house only to see you and your racist kid build a snowman with a carrot and two snowballs. You see, children, this man is a sexist, following exclusive Christmas traditions created by evil white European settlers decades ago. Attention, West Hollywood mall shoppers. Will the transvestite lonely child predator please come to move the Subaru with the 92 and Peach 45 stickers and 64 cats inside? Thank you. I'll get that in a minute. But anyways, the only way we can stop the hate is if we take out the bigots under all costs. Mr. and Mrs. Garglord. Yes, Billy. Isn't that fascism the exact same thing you liberals claim that you're fighting? Um, what makes you say that, Billy? And if you let me cool you one time, you be my regular style. Alright, boys. I put my banana pixie cups on flavors and push up to her ice cream man. Stop me with a bunch of five. She now all my flavors can't be satisfied. Yes. Of your ice cream man, stop me with a passing by. Of your ice cream man. Welcome back again to the Brent Allen Podcast. Today we have Noah Ring on, uh, political commentator and founder of Gen Z United. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself, Noah? Hey, everybody. It's your uh, favorite teenage conservative here, Noah Ring. And I uh, hope you all listen to my friend over here, Brent Allen. And once you get done listening to him, go follow me at the Noah Ring on Twitter and send me a message. I'll follow you back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, before we get into it, also, please head over to iTunes right now or whatever you're listening to the, this episode on and give the show a rating. We really need some ratings, so if you haven't done that already, I reminded this in the last episode, go do that right now, or we might, might not be doing this much longer because we won't. the podcast won't grow and we won't get enough support, so go do that right now. Don't forget, if you can't do it right now, go write it, yourself a note, leave a reminder, do what you have to do. Just give it a rating. Okay, now it's time for liberal joke of the day. Liberal joke of the day is why do liberals and what do liberals and Christmas lights have in common? Okay, the, I don't know what. They don't work very well, and the ones that do aren't very bright, and they're colorful too. So, <laughs> okay. So getting into the news, there's a lot of breaking uh, headlines and controversy in the Trump administration right now. Um, a lot of the stuff we're discussing right now, it's not very pro-Trump on my end, 
So it's just one of those episodes. It's going to be very critical on my end. Uh, it's stuff that I really don't completely agree with. Uh, some stuff that I do agree with, uh, like with the government shutdown. So let's just start off with the thing that I don't really agree with. Uh, so this week on the 19th, Trump tweeted a video titled, quote-unquote, after historic victories against ISIS, it's time to bring our great young people home. Uh, so by this, you can probably uh, guess that we're withdrawing from Syria and the Middle East, East, and that's exactly what we're doing. So this means all 2,500 U.S. troops would formally withdraw from Syria and Afghanistan, and this initially sounds like a great thing. This is my opinion. This sounds like a great thing, but we're going to break this down and get into the the video the president tweeted and get into it, but I want to show this uh, clip really quick. We've been fighting for a long time in Syria. I've been president for almost two years, and we've really stepped it up, and we have won against ISIS. We've beaten them, and we've beaten them badly. We've taken back the land, and now it's time for our troops to come back home. I get very saddened when I have to write letters or call parents or wives or husbands of soldiers who have been killed fighting for our country. It's a great honor. We cherish them, but it's heartbreaking. There's no question about it. It's heartbreaking. Now we've won. It's time to come back. They're getting ready. You're going to see them soon. These are great American heroes. These are great heroes of the world because they fought for us, but they've killed ISIS, who hurts the world. And we're proud to have done it. And I'll tell you, they're up there looking down on us. And there is nobody happier or more proud of their families to put them in a position where they've done such good for so many people. So our boys, our young women, our men, they're all coming back. And they're coming back now. We won. And that's the way we want it. And that's the way they want it. Okay, so uh, I don't know what your opinions are on this, uh, Noah. I, I just think it's a pretty bad decision. Uh, uh, even Lindsey Graham said, uh, President or uh, General Trump isn't going to be any better than General Obama withdrawing from Iraq. And I think there's three main reasons why this is a bad decision. One, the first reason I think it's pretty simple. He says ISIS is defeated, and they're not. They are decimated. Like I said, it sounds like I'm backtracking, like what I said in my last episode. But ISIS is decimated but they aren't defeated. What I mean by ISIS is decimated is under the Trump administration, we've taken out most of their strongholds and taken out a lot of their top generals and commanders also. Uh, we've also killed an estimated five to 10,000 troops according to the CIA, but this means there's still anywhere from 25,000 to 20,000 ISIS fighters still in Iraq and Syria. So this means A, it'll put Christian Syrians in an absolute hellhole again, and B, this will slow down the Kurds, our allies, who have literally shed blood for us. And that brings us to my second reason. Uh, but what do you think about this, Noah? Well, I, I've talked to uh, n numerous people who I can't mention because uh, they provoked a lot of talk to me who have uh, who have clearances, security clearances. I've talked to Basobic, who was a former intel officer. And he, he explained to me, he said, look, ISIS is pretty much done with. And when I say that, like, Russia is not going to let ISIS take over because they're friendly with Assad. I think it's time to bring the troops home. I think it's, I think they've, we've been over there for too long. We're $21 trillion in debt. And to your point about Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham's only against this pullout because his number one donation, no donator, is Lockheed Martin. So that he's got mm -hmm. to say he's against the, lock, the, the pullout because, well, Lockheed Martin's funding him. Mm -hmm. I'm for the pullout. Everything I look at shows that we don't really need to be over there anymore. And like Trump said, if it starts to get worse, we can send people back over. But as of now, they're not really needed. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but but what my standpoint on it is that if we withdraw, and this is my third reason, I'll just skip ahead uh, real quick. It'll give Iran and Putin, it, it's their dream come true there. And because they're not in there for any, for Assad's, needs there Putin's in there because he wants to form a puppet state and Iran's in there because Tehran and dictator Hirohini want their troops a thousand miles closer to Israel's borders and I, I just think we're going to be back there in the next decade if not but we are again the most powerful military on earth and we could again move our troops back into Syria 
But as of now, I just think it's not a good military decision. Uh, General Mattis resigned also, and I think somebody else uh, in the Trump administration uh, resigned, a top-level aide, whoever. It was the person who uh, was kind of the commanding force against ISIS. Mm-hmm. He was the commander. Um, well, on all the intel I have, Mattis and General John Kelly, both who, both who have served this country great, were both already planning to resign anyway. They They have both dedicated their lives to this country. I mean, Mattis didn't even get married. He, he literally dedicated his life to this country. Mm-hmm. He has no wife. He has no kids. General John Kelly, again, has served his country great, but they both were ready to kind of get out of the public life because, again, they've served this country for decades on decades on decades. It's time for them to go enjoy some time off. Mm-hmm. But really, with Mattis, you know, people are making a big deal about Mattis resigning. I don't think it's really going to change anything. I mean... Sure, I like Mad Dog, and we'll never get another Mad Dog, but the Secretary of Defense really does, I mean, sure, he does a, he does a lot, but at the end of the day, the main the main person who makes the decision is the President. Mm-hmm. Like, se- the Secretary of Defense only has the powers the President gives him. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, but, get moving on to our se- my, my second reason, I think this is not a good military decision. Uh, uh, it forces the Kurds into a corner. And just like I said, for the last six years, the Kurds have shed their blood, their people's blood for the U.S. And I think it's a total dishonor uh, for them because they're fighting, or the people they're fighting will come in and kill their women and children and enslave them, especially ISIS and may- maybe Turkey, uh, the Turkish armed forces too. Uh, but to sum it up, the Kurds are in the northeast corner uh, of Syria, if you're listeners that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the Kurds are in the northeast corner of Syria, uh, but they're completely surrounded by enemies in the east, uh, of Syria is ISIS, and the west is the pro-government Assad regime and other pro-government forces, such as Iran, Russia, and China, and the north is the Turkish army and opposition groups, so if you can picture that in your head, your head, they're completely surrounded by en- enemies with no mercy, so I think it's bad, not only because it takes out an ally, uh, but with all of the international conflict, do you really think any other country or party or military will form an alliance with us after a decade of fighting for us and being stabbed in the back? So, Russia and Iran have the inf- influence in Syria, and I think Putin practically own- owns it. So, that's kind of moving on to my third reason that I'll say in a second. Well, I mean, it's, it, there's... Okay, I've heard this expression. You know, sometimes you just really like in the military, you choose between two bad options. And so I, I think Turkey will. I think Turkey will, will won't do anything crazy because they don't want to get kicked out of NATO. There's already talks about it. Like people have already basically said, if they do and they just start murdering the Kurds, they're going to get kicked out of NATO, and they don't want to do that mm-hmm. because they'll lose a lot of support, and they don't want to go. They they don't want to join Russia, but they do to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, you know, America's still going to have their, their – we're still going to have intel on what's going on. And America can have 2,500 troops in Syria in three hours mm-hmm. at the latest. I mean, we're still going to have troops other places in the Middle East. We're just pulling out of Syria for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a campaign promise of Trump. It's been a campaign promise of Obama. I, I think it's time. I think we just bring them home. I mean, it, again, it's not ideal. I wish that the Middle East would be stable, but there's – no real way that we're going to stabilize it at all. So you might as well cut the ties when they as soon as possible and get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you, th- you throw out a lot of good points there too. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to just throw out my third reason, our main reason. I think it's a bad idea. Um, I think it's a terrible idea because Russia, it's Iran's Russia and Putin's and Iran's uh, dream come true. And what I mean by that is Go back to 2011 when the Syrian civil war started. Assad had practically no allies and opposition groups, and the Kurds and ISIS were kicking the regime's ass. So in fall of 2015, the U.S. Kurdish forces and opposition forces, uh, they, they forced Assad back so badly that he cried to Russia and Iran for help, and they both joined in, on September 30th and October 1st, uh, 2015. So, I mean, so for people that don't know what I'm talking about, it might sound like a bad thing, but it's really not at all. When a government in a war, in a war, especially a civil war, is calling for a powerful nation to help, 90% of the time it means they have a lot of pressure on their shoulders and they aren't confident in their military. So getting back to it, when Russia and Iran got involved, so did the U.S. So in the same month of October, 
we began arming the Kurds and deploying more troops into Syria. So to sum it up, Syria is a hot spot and a key territory for Russia and Iran in the U.S. For this reason, Russia only got involved, and this is what I said a minute ago, uh, Russia only got involved for their interests. They mainly got involved because Putin thought he could set up a puppet state in Syria and spread Russian influ influence through the Middle East. And all Iran wants is to have more anti-Israeli influence a thousand miles closer to Israel's border. And a good reason to have their troops stationed there. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I, this is what I think. I don't know if this is necessarily true at all. Uh, but I think the U.S. wants to topple the Syrian regime, replace it with a democracy in hopes to unite Syria, kick out Russia and Iran, defeat ISIS and stabilize Iraq, which will later leave, later leave Iran uh, surrounded by U.S. and Israeli allies, which will leave Iran crying to Russia for help starting another war, a proxy war, in hopes to to topple the Iranian regime, stabilizing the Middle East, and again, again, and pinning back Russia and Russian influence. So, I mean, that that's what I think about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I'm with you. Like, I, 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 I can see the, the case that you can make that Russia, that Putin wants to pub state and everything like that. But at the same time, it's like, sure, that, that that's bad and all, but Russia's going to stay at bay. I mean, what Putin even really said that we're never going to go to war with the U.S. on a, like, U.S. versus Russia thing because they understand that the implications of it and everything. Mm -hmm. Russia's pretty much going to stay at bay. Turkey's not going to do anything. And we're still, I mean, we, we still bring, like, guns and stuff to the Kurds all the time. And we've, like you said, what would we join? 2015? Yeah. That's almost four years of training. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, like, I was talking, like, my grandma, right? Uh, when she was married, like, early in their marriage, uh, my grandpa was stationed in Iran. Mm -hmm. And Iran now is a terrible place. But Iran then, before the U.S. got involved and everything, it was pretty... It was pretty okay. Like it was tolerant. Mm -hmm. Like, like if my grandma did the things today in Iran that she did in 1972 or something like that, she would be killed. Like, I mean, one time she told me the story that she was walking through the streets and some random uh, Muslim guy, or whatever, came up and like grabbed her butt and ran. And two random like strangers from Iran chased him down. And he was put into prison and everything like that. Wow. Today, that would not happen. Mm -hmm. When, like America always goes in with good intentions, but it never ends well. And if the people of Syria really don't want to be like really don't want to be governed by Assad and really don't want to be governed by people like that, then the civil war will go to the Kurds. The, mm -hmm. the, the Kurds will win mm -hmm. because like even if you look at Afghanistan, it was kind of the same thing. And the people for I mean Afghanistan's still not the best, but for the most part, the people kind of somewhat are taking back their country. Mm -hmm, that's true. Um. But I think um, the main reason why there's still a lot of Assad loyalists is because they don't want to see their country t turn into Somalia or a failed state. Yeah. Uh, because you still have, you still have. I don't want to say booming, but very livable, livable cities in Syria. Uh, like its capital, there's Latakia, which is a. If you've seen it, it's crazy. It's like a resort. Uh, there's a lot of uh, the western cities are very developed, and they have not been invaded oh, sure. by. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of loyalists there, and I just don't think they want to see Syria turn into a failed state. So I think that's one of the main reasons they're not really revolting against Assad. And, uh, yeah, but what I was saying a second ago is... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what what I was saying a second ago... so he controls what goes out. Mm-hmm. But what I was saying a second ago is, uh, I think we should. I don't want to say, I don't want to say go to war with Russia at all, but I I want to say, be keep our military in there even if it gets ugly, uh, because I'm 100% for Trump's foreign policy message, America for, first. But if we develop this America, I don't want to sound like a liberal. But if we develop this America-only attitude, we're going to take a lot of ugly blows. But the fact of the matter is, I'm a nationalist. I understand why, why Trump is doing this, because he wants to protect our borders first. But listen, Putin is not a nationalist. He's an imperialist, meaning he'll do absolutely anything to prove Russia superior, superior including invading international borders. And... I mean, they were Crimea in World War Mm-hmm. And, uh... What was the other one? Georgia? Chechnya. 
Um, and as nationalists, yes, we have to put our interests first, but we have to remember our allies are also the ones that help us become so militarily great. No, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, NATO is definitely important. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, at what cutoff? Like, NATO is important, but it is important to some things. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always, I've always, I've heard this. Like, like if Lithuania was invaded, it could start World War Three. Lithuania is smaller than some states in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hear, I don't, I hear in articles and uh, from people on social media all the time in the Baltic states, they're waiting any day to be invaded by Russia. So, I, I don't think Russia's going to make that move, though, with NATO, especially with the United States, and, yeah. Yeah, because if Ukraine was in, was in NATO, then Ukraine never would have gotten invaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Russia's never going to, Russia does not want to go to war with the U.S., and the U.S. doesn't want to go to war with Russia. Mm-hmm. But, if we were in war... Win overwhelmingly, but... Mm-hmm. If we were in war with Russia, I think we could come into Moscow and topple their government and replace it with a republic in, in, in a year. A honestly. But, That's why I was never scared of war with North Korea. Mm-hmm. Like, people were like, oh my god, he's got, like, he, like he's got a million-man army. I'm like, yeah, but he's got an army that's never fought before. Exactly, and they're malnourished. And they don't yeah. have the skills we do. I mean, their soldiers are literally running across the border into South Korea. Like, their soldiers... Like, are, they don't even like it. Like, they're like, I want to be out of here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a lot of defectors. It's getting better now. I don't know if you heard about it, but the uh, a lot of the uh, posts at the DMZ are being demolished. Uh, a couple weeks ago, South and North Korean troops literally met up at the border, and they shared cigarettes, and they were yes. talking. And uh, soon the DMZ could actually be a tourist site, but... Yeah, I agree. Dude, like, here's the thing, like, when is Trump going to get his Nobel Peace Prize for that? Well, isn't the Nobel... who? Wait, who controls the Nobel Peace Prize? It's like an international committee. Yeah, but aren't they very liberal? I mean, I don't... I mean, they... I don't... But the thing... I think it's, like, voted on. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you only have to be nominated. And then, like, it's voted on or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he because, should... Like, but, like, I don't know about the Peace Prize. Like, the Peace Prize, I don't know... Like, because that, that's the big... I mean, people consider that to be the biggest geopolitical threat. And, I mean, Kim Jong-un is all but submit to the United States already. He's already been, like... Because he understands... Oh, my God. Okay. I, I can't play a, uh, play, a, play around anymore, or else they're going to invade me and throw me overthrow me in three minutes. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. I think, I think Trump does deserve a Nobel Peace Prize for that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's ended the Korean War. Uh, but moving on to our uh, next topic is the government shutdown uh, over the border wall, which I 100% support the president doing, but his unpredictability is slowing down the process, which is not good. So pretty much for the, la- for the past two years, the president has been signing these continuing resolutions for the wall up until a lot of congressional Republicans started yelling at him for it. So he's talked about this need for this government shutdown, which I completely agree with, but not the inconsistency that has come with it. So pretty much the president is making all the wrong moves and taking all the wrong steps. He should have surrounded himself with the people he needed and told them, what do I have to do and what do I have to sacrifice and give up to get this legislation through? And that's not what he's doing. What he, what he did was woke up and went on a rant in the 19th on Twitter, which is very dangerous for the Republicans. Uh, he should have set this straight from the start instead of putting pressure on Republicans in the House. Uh, and blaming it on, uh, what's his name, Paul Ryan, even though he's a terrible leader. Uh, so now a lot of Trump allies, even in the media, uh, are heavily criticizing him, such as Ann Coulter, who said she wouldn't vote for him in 2020 if the wall isn't up. Mark Levin, uh, Rush Limbaugh, Laura Ingram, who spoke in the RNC in 2016, was very critical on him just a couple of days ago. Uh, so all around, not good for Trump and his administration. Uh, it's been a hell of a week for him, actually. Uh, not in yeah. a good way. Uh, but a lot of controversy around uh, his administration and a lot of Republican allies are now doubting him. Uh, but he, I, I don't think his response to this was good either because the worst part, of, part about this whole thing is that President Trump is... If, if he doesn't get this wall up... Th- 
his the wall was his biggest campaign promise. And if he doesn't get the wall up, he's not going to be reelected. And now he's caving in on what he's saying. So he should have never made this last minute BS and compromised with the Democrats because the leaves congressional Republicans waiting anxiously for the next tweet by the president. And I don't think it's good for the Republicans as a whole with, with the face of our party constantly flip-flopping his position on things. And then the president went out and tweeted, quote-unquote, with all of the negative talk about the wall, people are losing sight of the great job done on the southern border by Border Patrol, ICE, and our great military. Remember the caravans? Well, none of them got through. The border is tight. Fake news is silent. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, about that. But if he would have kept that position from the start, there's nothing wrong with that. But his he wants a wall. So is he either going to flip-flop back, or is does he just want to triple down, double down the border security? Um, I think now. Like, I think, I think like, I had a lot of, like, who was I talking to? I was talking to a congressman um, the days, a couple days ago. And I was like, dude, look, if Trump, if Trump doesn't, get, like, if Trump doesn't hold his ground here and get this wall, he's losing in 2020, like, no matter what. Because, like, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I should have just voted for Ted Cruz. Like, I, of course, I didn't vote. I was too young. But I was like, dude, I feel like I voted for Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Like, but, like, if, like, Trump, I think, at this, Trump had a deal. I believe it was Jan- in the January and the February spending bill and Omnibus or whatever. And it was, it was uh, 25 billion dollars for the wall would have completely funded the wall but daca he had to like he had to deal with daca right and mm-hmm. i was like i was screaming i was like dude take the bill take the deal and he kept saying he said no he thought he could get a better deal well of course as time went on i mean it, it became more and more that the republicans might lose the house and i bet he regrets not taking the deal now however now he's got to hold his up now like, i i believe wholeheartedly that trump will keep the government shut down as long as it takes to get his to get his money for the wall. Mm-hmm. It's just it's gonna happen, and because he he understands he's got enough people next to him. Understand? I mean, Don Jr. is probably yelling in his ear. If you don't get this wall, you're gonna lose your base, and if you lose your base, you lose the election. Mm-hmm. You cannot. You, nobody can win a base. Can can win an election without a base. Mm-hmm. You need the people fired up at your crowds and stuff like that. So I definitely think Trump is gonna hold down. I think that he's right to call the Democrats on this because what was it twenty. 12, 2010 or something like that, or 14 maybe, where 46 Democrats voted to allocate $46 billion to the wall, and now we're fighting on whether or not we can give five. I think Trump should be fighting for the full and complete payment of it. I mean, honestly, I mean, we send on average $40 billion a year overseas mm-hmm. to various countries for funding and for, for aid, but we forget about the Americans sitting at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people in Texas, I've talked to people in Texas who live by the border. They say that they're scared to go to sleep at night sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it needs to happen. We need to have the wall. It needs to be implanted, implemented. That, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And we have tens of billions of dollars of these amnesty and illegal immigrant programs. Tens of billions of dollars. And all we need is $5 billion, I believe. Budget that said, if the U.S. were to uh, end illegal immigration tomorrow, it was like 150 billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. 150 billion dollars, and liberals always say that they want free college. Well, free college tuition is only estimated to cost 35 billion. You could build the wall, have free college, and still have money left over. Mm-hmm. But I think the art of dealing is over. Trump at this point has no options. He has to keep the government shut down until he gets his wall, because it'll come eventually. Mm-hmm. The Longer and longer as this goes, because here's the thing, right? The the American people kind of expect this out of Trump, so they're like, the longer and longer this goes on, is they're gonna look at the Democrats and be like, well, come on, just give him what he wants, give him the wall. Is it that big of a deal? Because mm-hmm. overwhelmingly, if you ask any American, do you want the southern border to be secure? They're gonna say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I think also I I saw this on because I have a CRTV uh, subscription and I I forget who it was. Uh, but one of them said we should build the uh, wall with the military. So the next president, if he's a hardcore leftist, uh, if it's Nancy Pelosi, she can't just tear it down with an executive order. So I think I, – I, I don't know how even much sense. Like, like, even if the wall gets built, 
don't, it doesn't matter because you can campaign on tearing down the wall, mm-hmm. but you're not actually going to get out there and tear down the walls. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, it's just kind of common sense. I mean, like, it, having a border is common sense. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ask Americans, like, before Trump started running, you'd be like, hey, do, do you think, like, do we have a nice big border wall on the southern border? They probably would have said yes. It's common sense. Like, everybody assumes we do, but until you make a trip down to the southern border, I don't know where you're from, so I'm not sure if you have, but... No, I'm from Arizona, but... Mm. I, I, it's dilapidated in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm in Arizona. I'm by it. I'm more north. I'm in the Phoenix area. But still, there is a lot of illegal immigrants down here. And uh, I was in a school. The school before I was now, we really didn't know the place because we moved from Pennsylvania. I guarantee you, 90% of the school is full of illegal immigrants on these amnesty programs. And oh, yeah. it, it was just insane. And that, that's how it is all over the state. And then if we make this state a sanctuary state, we're screwed. California is a sanctuary state. Just look at their spending. They, they've got the highest homeless, I believe, homelessness uh, rate. They've got, um, uh, what is it? I, I don't have the facts right now. But California is a mess. Oh, yeah, California used to be the number one state in the Union, and now it's the worst. Mm-hmm. I believe it was under Reagan was the number one uh, state in the Union. Well, yeah, but that was, that was when Reagan was coming off of being the governor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, he ended his governorship like in 76 or 77, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but... Like, but even still then, if you look at it, like in the 1800s, people left other countries strictly to come to California. Yeah, in San Francisco. Now it's the most liberal place in the country. Well, yeah, that's the problem. Is like, like people are fleeing. People are leaving. One hundred percent. Like they're getting out mm-hmm. of California. I don't blame them. Out of California last year, they moved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what was I saying before again? Uh, oh yeah. So I said about the uh, President Trump, and I th- I think I think he has the I, th- I think he, I, he knows what he's talking about. I agree with pretty much everything he wants, but I just don't think what he's doing and his approaches are necessarily good because right now I just think he's blaming everything on Paul Ryan, which he's not a good leader at all. And actually today, I think he came out saying that he's not going to re- run for re-election, uh, but he's blaming him and he hasn't done much wrong. Uh, he's just going to continuously keep signing these uh, continuing resolutions if these House Republicans or these Congressional Republicans don't speak up. So it's like, what is it? Does, does the president want a wall or does he not? And he just wants to triple down on border security because either one's fine, but a wall, a physical barrier would be much better because what he's doing right now is he's continuously blaming everyone else for his own poor approaches. And I, I don't want to be critical of the president. I think he's a great president. But I, I, it has to be that way when he says he's going to drain the swamp, but at the same time, he meets up with legislators and knew about this prior to the situation. Yeah, no, I agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, think, I think border security and a wall go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, people say, oh, you're going you're gonna to build a 10-foot wall where we're going to have an 11-foot ladder. Um, I don't know about that. Are you really going to have an 11-foot ladder? That's gonna, but like, what if the wall is more than 11 foot? It's just it's not really going to happen because people don't forget that probably there's going to be barbed wire on top of it. I mean, I haven't really – I don't know what the wall is exactly going to look like. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it goes hand-to-hand because, I mean, Trump is allocating more money to the Border Patrol and everything like that too in the $5 billion. The $5 billion is not just 100% for the wall. And I, I think I, – I, I called for it a long time ago for Trump to just use the CBs and the Navy and everything to build the wall because, you know, defense spending goes up every year anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, add a five billion dollars. Nobody would have said a word, and then use that. I mean, you could he can make a legitimate argument that the you know the because I believe it is a national security issue that the, the military needed to build it because it was national security. There could be a legitimate argument. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, here we are, and he wants funds allocated to it and everything. So mm-hmm. I I agree with it too because I mean we we spend like what couple trillion dollars a year in, in our total like budgets yeah so what's five billion dollars to go to the wall well it's everything for the democrats because they hate trump the uh I, I was just reading something 
just before we started this recording, uh, there was uh, 2013 under Obama. Um, I forget what it was, but a bunch of I think House Democrats uh, proposed to make a a bill or something to uh, to make some physical barrier, not physical barriers, but get more border security on the border. And all of a sudden, when Trump tries to do it, it he's a racist. So yeah, the no. hypocrisy of the left is just hilarious. Yeah, no, it, it really, it, it's all there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I, I said this earlier, uh, and on, a, on a tweet and everything, a lot of people agree, we're at a point in the Republican Party where we either are going to modernize or we're going to go under. Mm-hmm. Like, we need more people like Meadows, like Gates, like Jordan, and like the House Freedom Caucus, who fight. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, we have we've we've had too many congressmen on both sides of the aisles, who just line their own pockets and are really good show puppets. And I think Trump, Trump obviously is a, he's he's gonna fight, and I think he's inspired more senators to fight. I mean, Lindsey Graham, for the most part, has come out and fought a lot. Now again, I don't agree with his position on the wall on the uh, war, and that could go again to probably tie back into. Is number one donator, but I think we definitely need as Republicans. I mean, I'm saying that I'm not even a Republican, but like we as conservatives in general need to f- start learning how to fight. Mm-hmm. Because the left fights. They are, they don't. do, and they're nasty, and they'll do anything to get their way. But I know it's human nature to, if somebody doesn't obey the rules, the other person doesn't obey the rules, and so on. But We've got to learn to fight a little bit, I don't want to say dirtier, but a little bit rougher. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm down with you 100%. We need to learn how to how to start fighting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we need to start acting like Kavanaugh. I mean, that was the first time I've seen Republicans fight in God knows how long since Obama was president. Mm-hmm. That's when Lindsey Graham started, I started agreeing with a bit of what he said because before he was always this big, he was in the Gang of Eight, he was this big amnesty big government Bush figure, a uh, big yeah. government Republican. And that's when I, Lindsey Graham's in this past month or two, he, there's still a lot I don't agree with him on, but he, he's been showing his teeth. That's for sure. Yeah. I think he learned, I think, I think Lindsey has moral, he has like, he has a principle as to why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thing. But I mean, Lindsey Graham's been in Congress since Clinton was president. Yeah. He's, He's ancient. Yeah, I know. Um, but I think that's all we have uh, to say about that. So now it's uh, we're moving on to our main topic of the episode, and that's uh, Christmas 2018. So it's usually, well, I don't want to say usually. It's not that big of like a topic or a controversy, but it's always a controversy with the left. So we're going to unravel and break down the three most pathetic excuses and reasons, I don't say reasons because they really aren't, on why certain Christmas traditions, and Christmas in general, I guess you could say, is a, or is a bad thing. So the first one, number three, is about the Democrats and the members of hashtag Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too, which happens to be a total witch hunt aimed at white males in general by, in general males by fat, unattractive women. So getting back to it, the uh, left is influencing these radio stations to ban the song Baby It's Cold Outside. You know, the song that was recorded in 1944. It was in Elf back in 03. But they want to do this because it's sexist. Well, well, it turns out it's really harmless. But it, they're justifying their reason with this because it is it was influencing date rape or whatever because the whole point of the song or whatever... It was, is it's cold outside and come stay inside or whatever. But a couple radio stations have banned this. Uh, for example, 96.5 Coat, I think, San Francisco, uh, on December 3rd. In, San Francisco. Uh, and uh, KOSI, or COSI, I don't know how you pronounce it, one, uh, 101.1 in Colorado, pulled the song due to a couple, a couple listener complaints next to the 15,000 responses of the listeners overwhelmingly supporting and keeping the song on the station. Um, this is all of the midst, all in the midst of the 95, around that, percent of all radio listeners in the country 
favoring to keep the song on the radio. And this is such a big controversy, like I said, because it permits date date rape. But because the man in the music video is pressuring the woman to say. So I'd give it a three because I, I slimly, I very, very slimly, slimly understand why, not why it's a controversy, but why it's a subject. And I'm not surprised that Me Too would do this. But it's so stupid because Me Too says they're this pro-woman survivor organization. But all they do is they've ruined the lives of dozens of men without due process. And, I mean, it's... I can see the the argument behind Vegas. Hold on, sorry. mm -hmm. Because the entire argument comes back to one line where she goes, What's in this drink? So I can see that argument. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they they say they're this big pro-woman pro-survivor organization, but if they really cared, they would focus on the 80% of women crossing the southern border being raped by illegal immigrants and coyotes, or women sex slaves in Asia and Africa. But they go after men that are manspreading on trains, or a song 70 years old. Or, so, or what about the women who are being uh, put down under Sharia law? Yeah, that too. That are being stoned to death, and leftist supported Iran and Saudi Arabia, I believe the left supporter. Well, every president since Reagan has been very um, loose on Saudi Arabia, but just another great move by Me Too. So, mm-hmm. uh, but second most ridiculous response uh, to these Christmas traditions by the left is on the fourth, uh, the fourth of the December, Minneapolis. Police officers were put on leave after decorating their racist Christmas tree. Not even making this up. According to CNN, quote unquote, along with the ornaments and strands of lights, two police officers in the fourth precinct, I don't, wait, precinct, sorry, of Minneapolis Police Department added some unusual items to their lobby's Christmas tree collection of street trash, including packs of Newport cigarettes, a crumbled bag of Takis chips, a cup of Popeye's fried chicken outlet, and, and a cup of Popeye's fried chicken outlet, and a can of Steel Reserve malt liquor and some yellow crime scene tape. Critics say the item shows play, shows in play on negative stereotypes about African Americans. So pretty much just because of the dozens of trash, it's, so it's a trash-themed Christmas tree, but they had Popeye's a Popeye's box or whatever it was on there. One thing in a heavily populated black neighborhood in a police department, and all of a sudden it's because these police officers just sit around and terrorize black people. It's hilarious. But I mean, yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it was definitely kind of stupid, but I don't think they should have been put on leave or anything. Mm-hmm. It's so funny, though. And then it says... Mm-hmm. Who uh, went to a Christmas party a few years ago? Mm-hmm. And he dressed up as uh, some. He was a white guy, right? Yeah. And he dressed up as some movie. Like, but it was like based on the old time when there was like slaves and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he, he like he dressed up as the hero of the movie, who, a black slave. And somebody took a picture of him, you know, out of context and everything. Mm-hmm. And so they try to say, "Oh, look, he's racist." Mm-hmm. But like people who were there and understood it were like, "No, he was." being the character who led the slaves to run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's... So people like to be, like to be outraged nowadays. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, and it also said, quote-unquote, these pieces of trash were deliberately chosen to represent how certain officers feel about the community they serve, that black people are stereotyped to be mocked, and the lives of those they serve may as well be reduced to trash in the gutter. City Councilman Philip Cunningham said on Facebook. This is so funny. The department has since placed the officers on leave and has launched an inter- internal investigation amid an outcry that the decorations mock the uh, priest, uh, precinct's predominantly black neighborhoods. The uh, precinct commander also was demoted, according to the Star Tribune. So you've got these police officers who are protecting you Lot their careers being leveled to nothing because 
of a Popeye's label on a Christmas tree. This is oh, so yeah, funny. Here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can see the argument, like, better if, like, it was, like, a white, like, a predominantly white precinct or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, if some black cops in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, or Michigan, sorry, Sheboygan, Michigan, started putting, like, stuff that white people eat on a tree, oh, you wouldn't hear about it. Exactly. I mean, I, because the mainstream media, the leftist media, doesn't cover that. Fox News wouldn't even cover that because it's just petty bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but whether they intentionally did it, then shame on them. But I'm sure they didn't. Again, I think it's stupid, but I don't think it's racist. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, if you are, here's the thing, like, people like to get mad at stereotypes, but some of it's not stereotypes. It's just straight fact-based logic. Yeah. Right? So, like, like you said, a predominantly black precinct. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not trying to be racist here, but... Predominantly fried chicken, new weeds, stuff like that. Exactly. Now, I love fried chicken. Like, let me be honest. I be loving me some fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. I mm-hmm. eat it with my black friends. Mm-hmm. So I, I, again, stupid, but not racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Minneapolis mayor, Jacob Frey, called the tree racist and despicable. Okay. Now, moving on to the, uh, is this a second? Yeah, this is the uh, number one. This is just so stupid. This is the most ridiculous leftist response to Christmas traditions. Is and this is a big one. This was on Fox News and CNN. Rudolph is offensive, bigoted, and racist. So this is yeah. It was a huge story this year by the Huff Post in their November 29th tweeted video, and I just want to play it real quick. Uh, it was titled "The Holiday TV Classic." Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is seriously problematic, and I just want to play this video real quick. It's just two minutes, so sorry. He says, Rudolph the Marginalized Reindeer. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a holiday classic that returns to TV each holiday season. But lately, viewers are noticing the tale may not be so jolly after all. No, but the thing is, it's so funny. They act like the story of Rudolph is so bad, but everybody already knows that. It's meant to be like that. It's meant to be that he's this reindeer trade so badly, and then he turns out better than all the other ones. It's like, that's kind of the point. And they act like we didn't know. Yeah. America is a diversity. It's the most diverse country in the world. Mm-hmm. And we're also the best. I mean, Rudolph is the story of America. Just because you're different doesn't mean you're worse. In fact, it probably means you're better. Yeah. Um, But here's the rest of the clip. And they're sharing observations online. At Gary, uh, I don't know the last part of that, tweeted, yearly reminder that hashtag Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is I can't read that. Uh, horrible, I think it says, on racism and homophobia. Uh, something Santa is as Santa as a bigoted, exploitative, explodive, I think. I'll just say it, prick. Um, sorry, it's just kind of blurry. Santa's oppression is an HR nightmare in the serious need, diversity, inclusion, training, hashtag Rudolph. Former fans are pointing out Rudolph's father verbally abuses him. Son, try it on. I don't wanna. Daddy, I don't like it. You'll like it and wear it. Oh, but Daddy, it's not very comfortable. There are more important things than comfort. Self-respect. Santa Claus berates Aunt Donor for his sons. You should be ashamed of yourself. The school coach encourages bullying. From now on, gang, we won't let Rudolph join in your games, right? Donor forbids his wife from joining the search for the no, son. This is man's work. Okay, now this this is where the SJWs come in and the Me Too feminists. B 
because Rudolph's dad said, no, this is a man's job. Big deal. This is what they should be worrying about. Now there's one thing I want to make very plain. No doe of mine is going to be seen with a, a red-nosed reindeer. Even the elf is an outcast wanting to be a dentist. You'll never fit in! Now you come to elf practice and learn how to wiggle your ears and chuckle warmly and go hee-hee and ho-ho and important stuff like that. A dentist! Good grief! An appropriate bit of this wisdom for outside Rudolph. That's what somebody tweeted. In the end, Rudolph and friends learned the bitter truth. Speaking of hashtag Rudolph, your yearly reminder, and then it says something like, but the fact of the matter is, this is what society has succumbed to. This is just so funny. You leftist morons. This, that entire plot of the movie is Rudolph being discriminated against, and he later becomes the best reindeer. Everybody knows that. And they're acting like this is this big outcry now. But it's just so hilarious. Uh, Noah, do you have anything else to say? Dude, so, like, they're kind of playing with, like, they, like, the left always says, you know, immigrants bring diversity, diversity is good for America, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, Rudolph is diverse in the fact that he's the only reindeer with a red nose. That makes him diverse, it makes him different. Yeah. They show that Rudolph, the diverse, the different, and, you know, and you can make the argument, an immigrant, whatever. Let's just say Rudolph is an immigrant. Yeah. They show that Rudolph worked and ended up being the best. This should be a story that the left loves. They're like, look at Rudolph. He was different and he ended up being the savior. Exactly. But instead, they say, oh, no, no, he was made fun of. I don't care that he saved the day and saved Christmas Mm -hmm. because I didn't get the pink hat I wanted. I didn't get the pussy hat. <laughs> okay. So, uh, anyways, that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tell your family, friends, neighbors, and even liberals. Give it a rating. We really need a rating. Again, I'm going to keep hounding you till we get a couple ratings. Uh, if you don't do it, like I said, we're not going to be able to do this much longer because the podcast won't grow. We won't get enough support. So go do that right now. If you can't, go write a note. Leave a reminder. Write it on your forehead. I don't know. I don't know. Just give it a rating and subscribe. Stay tuned for next year's episode. Uh, Peace out. The Brent Allen Podcast is an Anchor Publishing production. Anchor.fm 2018.